you know, Vince personally inducted uh, The Undertaker in the Hall of Fame and, 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 you know, started crying. And I joked with my friend, I said, you know, the only person probably other than himself that Vince McMahon truly loves in the world is Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. <laughs> One, I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Gather podcast. I'm your host Zeke, and in this episode, I have Steve Castronovo to speak about teaching, podcasting, and wrestling. You can find more information about his podcast, The Heal and Face Podcast, by clicking the link in the description below. I give a content warning for any strong language used in this episode and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. So, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Hi, uh, it's nice to be here. Um, this uh, sounds like a really, uh, really cool uh, concept for a podcast and I'm just happy to talk to people about, you know, anything. Thank you for joining. So, you can introduce yourself and then we get into the questions. Yeah, right. So, uh, my name is Steve Castellanovo. I am uh, originally from Akron, Ohio, uh, but I live in Columbus now. I uh, have been doing uh, different things. I went to uh, college at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio to become a uh, educator, a high school English teacher. Um, I've been teaching in a lot of different types of learning environments from literal uh, juvenile prison to urban setting. Now I'm in a Catholic school and uh, I've been doing that for almost 25 years now. Um, But uh, one thing I've always done is I've always been a huge fan of professional wrestling. And ever since about seven or eight, when my grandma used to have it on before football started, uh, you know, I would just, I'd be watching it. My mom would get mad. And, uh, you know, I kind of <clears throat> I kind of followed it all the way through the Attitude Era, the, the uh, Monday Night Wars, all the way up through now, all the independents and whatnot. And uh, I had the uh, opportunity to uh, take classes at a local media school. And that's how I figured out uh, about podcasting. And as a matter of fact, um, if I wasn't going to go into um uh, teaching or had I known how big the internet podcasting and, and all that kind of stuff was uh, going to take off, I would definitely have gone into uh, sports broadcasting. Not that I don't love teaching, but, you know, it's kind of like, wow, if, if people only knew how big it was going to blow up, I probably would have chosen that instead. Um, but other than that, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just here surviving. I've got uh got great uh great family and wife and uh and a not a 10 year old and uh they both keep me busy and uh you know it's a lot of a lot of fun so that's kind of what i'm doing and how i got hooked up with you was uh i just saw we're uh looking for uh people to converse with people to talk about not necessarily the podcasts but talk about life in general and i just came across that and here i am so i even i have my own podcast called the heel and face podcast is a podcast dedicated to pro wrestling i'm sure we'll i'll uh, be able to plug it a little bit more later and uh that's kind of how i got into the podcasting game so yeah that's pretty much about it for right now and then you know we can get into 
details <laughs> in a little bit. Great. So would you say that's your origin story or do you have like a fake origin story that you want to tell? Uh, actually, I, so I was, like I, like I was going to say, my real life story is actually a little more, uh, a little weirder than, than fiction. So um, growing up in Akron, I, I had kind of an average, okay lifestyle, probably around six, seven years old. And then, uh, then all of a sudden um, my mom started getting really sick. And we weren't 100% sure why. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where doctors would say, oh, it's this. And then they'd say, oh, this, this, and say, oh, it's this. And uh, so long story short, about 10 years old, uh, my mom passed away right around Easter time, as a matter of fact. And uh, and uh, since then, um, you know, been obviously trying to cope with that. You know, it never goes away, no matter what people think. You know, it's been almost... Uh, 39 years or so since it's happened and still doesn't ever go away. Um, and then growing up, um, my dad was, you know, in a lot of grief and a lot of pain and didn't want to talk to anybody about it because he's not really a talker anyway. And uh, he got, he got involved in some, um, you know, with some shady people, um, started drinking a little heavier than he used to, um, just was hiding a lot of grief got hooked up with my, uh, uh, with, with my stepmother who, uh, treated me and my two other sisters pretty, pretty roughly, pretty horribly, a lot of, uh, mental and verbal abuse in the household. She wasn't able to physically abuse me per se, but I'm strong. I, I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me and I have a strong suspicion that, uh, she was, uh, physically and verbally, uh, mentally abusing her. So, and there's really nothing I could have done about it. So um, at 16, I moved out with a friend so I could finish my senior year, junior and senior years in high school and uh, got then. And then from, from then on, I just, you know, went on to college and, uh, you know, just tried to be the best person I could be. And I ended up, uh, that's kind of the beginning part of the origin story. I kind of, you know, Kind of ended up uh, graduating college, so I mean that's 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 a huge huge bonus, I think, and I'm glad I did. So, nice, thanks. And after all of that, um, would you? How would you like to represent it? Um, well, uh, as far as like putting it together um, as an English teacher, uh, my first inclination is like put it in a book. I've actually tried writing down my memoirs a couple of times in a book and it just didn't feel right. I don't know if it was the timing or if it was just like me not having enough time or whatever, but I, I, I'm actually kind of embarrassed, believe it or not, talking about myself. I'm not the guy that kind of brags on himself too much, but now that I think about it, like the way I would love to do it is somehow I'd love to represent myself as an, as an NFT. And I know that sounds crazy, but I'm like, forward thinking. I'm, I'm a type of person that I look to the future. I don't look at, at the past much and I like to progress. And, and if NFTs are going to kind of be the way of the future, I think it's a neat idea to like have something that is very exclusive that only a few people can see, but it's a lot of value. And I think that uh, I would love to be represented somehow like that, even if it was like 
my memoirs kind of condensed in a file and digitally made. So only people, you know, who really wanted to hear about my story could, you know, I'm not saying like I'm some exclusive guy or whatever, but I feel like NFT is a great way to do it because you can access it like whenever you want, as long as you have the funds to do it and it's yours forever it's not going anywhere. So it's kind of like a book of the future if you really want to put it like that. So I I would definitely be interested in trying to represent myself somehow uh, digitally like an NFT or something like that. Nice, nice. Definitely makes sense. NFTs, there's something there. It's not there for common use yet, but there's something in the future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being an early adopter of that because I know a lot of NFTs are just like, you know, like reprinted pictures of monkeys doing like <laughs> different poses or something, stuff like that. Right. Like, and that's cool. And that's fine for people that want to collect that kind of thing. But, um, you know, you can see some of the sports like NBA is into NFTs right now. I don't know if you've noticed or if you're a sports fan or not, like there's a lot of different places that are way into NFTs that are doing that. And, and being an early adopter, you know, means that one, you're trying the technology out for future generations, but two, if, if, you know, if it goes bad, then it goes bad. Then it's a flop. Then it's a flop. It's like beta. I don't know. You probably too young to remember <laughs> beta discs or laser discs, but it was a big, you know, it was kind of a flop. So we moved on. Uh, but, um, it's, but yeah, if, but if NFT is a success and people like them and people think it represents them well, then we should look into doing it, not just for art, but for a lot of other different mediums that we can. So yeah, I think it'd be a cool idea. Nice, nice. Yeah. Now we can get into the own question. So let's start with your teaching and then we go from one for two okay. wrestling and then podcasting. Okay, shoot. So how is it being a teacher? Well, I um, personally, I love it. Um, I have been wanting to teach my entire life. Like I said, um, there was only two things that I really felt like I wanted to do was either be a teacher or do something in like sports broadcasting or sports journalism. And, uh, and I, I really enjoy it. I under, and I, I know that uh, teachers are under a lot of pressure lately and there's some different, there's crazy goings on. And quite honestly, I think that, and I don't know uh, where you're uh, from exactly, but like, in, in the United States, I think what, what's happened is, is that we have gone too far into the social aspect of, of education and, and haven't stayed in the realm of like just educating people education. And I think that's kind of controversial for me to say because people, you know, go crazy when I say it. But I really have a problem when people try to use school as like a like a social uh, a boiling pot, you know, I hate when people want to experiment on their ideas on, on kids. And, and it, it really gets me ticked off and it's just made our school systems just way too political because on one hand, you know, you have a lot of progressive people who are mostly teachers and administrators who are allowing certain things to happen or fostering certain things to happen. But then you have school boards and you have parents groups and all these other people on the other side who are finding out and they're complaining and it's just making it go back and forth. And the only people that it hurts is like the students. Like it's never, you know, it's never a, a, 
it's never the students that's ever really the problem when it comes to classroom. I've never had a problem. I've had more problems with administrators and with parents than I've had with the actual students themselves. And, and I feel like, you know, if, if we like part of our problems and part of the reason why, you know, teachers are getting so dumped on is because we're kind of obviously in the middle of all this, right? We're told to do one thing by our school board administrators and by our principals and the other thing we get yelled at by parents and, 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 and it's just made just way too political. And I would, I'd love to see a lot of it get out of it. And I'm sorry for that little rant there, but I just wanted to like, let you know that the re, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to be a teacher right now. And, uh, and, and I know I don't want to, you know, be like a pity party, but it's kind of true. Um, I've never been one of those people that, that was, uh, that, that's, that, that, uh, like, like the idea of, you know, some people say, oh, well, teachers have it so easy because they have, uh, you know, breaks and all that. And we have time off in the summer and it's, it's not really, it's not really like that because many teachers actually work throughout the summer, not just like, you know, on their real estate business or their dry roof, you know, roofing business or whatever. Like a lot of teachers, you know, they actually do things for their classroom and for their, for their students. You know, there's a lot of teachers who will stay a couple of weeks after school's over in the summer and then come back a couple of weeks early to start prepping for the next year. You know, there's a lot that teachers do put into the job that a lot of people don't see. And I think teachers do work really hard and then getting, they get kind of, kind of crapped on, I think a lot too. Um, uh, they, you know, parents get angry at what's being taught, what lessons are being taught. Administrators are giving you the next, this next new thing that has to be done. And if it isn't done yesterday, then you're not doing it right. You're getting in trouble there and blah, blah, blah. And then having to deal with, you know, students and, and their emotional states and how, and all that. It's just a, it's a, there is a lot of pressure. Um, but on the flip side, I will say that a lot of teachers bring it on themselves. And that's the controversial part, because this is the part that I'll say out loud to a lot of my colleagues is a lot of teachers bring it on themselves. Like a lot of teachers will put, bring their own like political agendas into the classroom and push things on students that don't need to be pushed on students. And this is why we get the blowback from the parents because the teacher does something in the room or says something in the room and then says that that's it. And, and, and my way is the highway. And then the parent, the kid goes home, obviously to his parent and says what happens. And right, you know, that makes sense. So then the parent comes back and says, why are you telling my son this? Why tell my daughter this? She came home all worried about this. And the, and the teacher says, well, how dare you question me? You know, so I think a lot of it is the pressure from outside, but I think a lot of it teachers do to themselves. And I kind of wish that teachers would stop being uh, so political as well in the classroom. I think your one job is to cultivate minds. Everything else is secondary. And I hate, I, I that sounds callous. And, and I know it sounds like, well, I don't care about their feelings. Of course I care about their feelings. But I also care the fact that they can add, subtract, write, read, speak comfortably and, you know, what I mean, like be competent citizens and human beings. So, yeah, the emotional side of it is, is important. But the, you know, but the, but the educational side, I mean, that's why you're there. The educational side's first. So, I don't know. That's kind of how I, I feel. I mean, I love personally what I do in a classroom. I love it when a kid gets it. That's the best part. I've had a student, my favorite example is I had a 16 year old freshman. 
So basically, you know, a year away from graduating should be, but he's still stuck in my freshman class. And, you know, he we're working with him and not giving up on him and all that stuff. At the end, we were reading a class novel. And at the end of the novel, he said, Mr. C, he said, this is the only book that I have read cover to cover without watching the movie, getting the uh, study spark notes or cliff notes or paying my girlfriend to read it for me. And, you know, that's the best evaluation right there. Nothing beats that. Nothing beats that. I can, you know, my, my principal can come in and she can say, you did this wrong. You did this right. You did this wrong. You did it right. You know, I can get parents to come in and not be happy with something, blah, blah, blah. But my own, the only success and the only joy that I get out of my room is when a student who is not, a, uh, is, is not scholastically minded, is not academically focused, can come to me and said, Mr. C, I made you, a, or you made me a better person by helping me through this thing we did. So that's kind of how I feel about teaching. That's a lot to break down, but I definitely do. I'm sorry, that. man. It was a lot to break down. <laughs> hey, I love podcasting for a reason. <laughs> I definitely do remember being in school and like a lot of things kept changing and they kept changing how to teach math and everything like that. Yeah. So I was like, granted, I just chose my preferred method and just went with it. Well, that's, you know, and that's another thing. We don't do that. You know, we talk, sometimes teachers talk a big talk about it, but we really don't allow it to happen sometimes because I think sometimes we're control freaks. So I think that... If any way I can get you to do the thing you need to do, and it's not my way, it's not my comfortable way, but it, but I can show you three or four different ways, and you still get the right answer, I don't care. I don't care. Um, so, you know, uh, one student, you know, prefers to take notes uh, on a piece of notebook paper or one student prefers to like have their own copy so they can highlight, you know, with highlighter and one student likes to listen to audiobooks. However you get that done, I don't care as long as you get it done. Yeah. So, um, and I think every, a lot of teachers, most teachers hopefully take that, um, take, take that into consideration. At least I know I try to. So, because um, remember, like with math, like third grade, they had like the original way, the old school way. Then they had something with boxes and another way. And I was like, right. old school way. I'm gonna stick with that. And then, yeah, and it works for you. And and well, unfortunately, a lot of the problem is is especially nowadays when when you know teachers. I'll give you a little in, inside info. When teachers are being taught how to teach, sometimes the new way, or sometimes the uh, the the way that all the experts say is the best way to do it, um, then that's it. And, they, and every teacher gets taught that way. And it, it's kind of unfortunate because then, you know, you get parents saying, I don't know how to do this, or why don't you just do it like this, like how we did it, it was simpler. And in, and you discovered really early in third grade that if you just did it how your parents did it, right, you'd gotten it right versus like, you know, the box and whistles and, and, and cross hashing and all that stuff. And, and I, and I had the same thing with my son and, and cause my son really struggles with, um, you know, with, with letters and numbers, like he can do the operation and get it right, but he has slight dyslexia. So his numbers kind of get mixed up and stuff. 
so all I did was, you know, he was, and, and I'm not mad at this teacher for teaching him this way, but all we did was the traditional thing where we did the columns and I separated the columns into ones, tens and zeros and do it like that. And he got it right away. So, you know, I'm not blaming or saying the way that her teacher, his teacher did it was wrong, but I'm saying, yeah, like if you knew how to do it, the way that you know came up with it you should do it and don't force a kid to like do it another different way if they're comfortable doing it with the way they are you know i mean there's it's a balance between making someone stretching someone to do something that they haven't done before and breaking something that ain't broke you know what i mean your way was obviously better and you became a better student for it you were able to do the the things and get it right so go with it you know yeah appreciate that definitely because um i have friends who are teachers and i'm just like a lot's going on with them too i'm just like yeah like like so where are you where are you right now um brooklyn okay okay wow oh man uh that that god bless all your friends who are (laughs) with the the ny's p in new york something yeah Uh, yeah 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 yeah, you got, and they still do like schoolhouses, still, right? Like schoolhouse seventy eight, schoolhouse, or do they? Is that how it goes? Or I don't know. I, I'll be honest. The only thing I know about the system is what I like watch on TV and shows <laughs> and stuff. So, how, what's it like there in in Brooklyn? It's just like the school system. Yeah, um, they have like the private, the Catholic, the charter schools, the public schools. Mm-hmm. Okay, I forget. Which one did you go to? Uh, public. Okay. And uh, which ones are your friends teaching? I think it's charter. I have the one's charter, I believe, and other ones like uh like daycare, like early child okay. development. Yeah, okay. Early education, that's cool. What is um what is uh what charter school is does your friend work for? I do not remember at this oh, okay. <laughs> oh no, is that things happen? I'm just like, have fun with that. <laughs> They, I'm sure they have the same problems that, yeah. that regular education schools. Yeah, yeah. I applied for a charter school. I actually was about ready to start working there, and it just it wasn't a good fit. So I went to this Catholic school instead. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not back. I'm not actually teaching like traditional English. I'm a Title One tutor right now, but they're saying that if I stick with it long enough, I might be able to get back into the classroom, which is, that's that's kind of what I want. That's kind of like my jam, right? Yeah, I've worked with students before, and I'm just like, it's always like that. It's like fun, but also like always have to be cautious of everything. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is intimidating. What did you do? I uh, mean, like mentoring and like tutoring, and then like okay. being like a teacher assistant and stuff like that. Okay. All right. Uh, was it public, private? Um, college. Like mainly, I worked in my college, so anything doing that, and then work with high school students, do like a program. Oh, cool. See, hopefully, in college, they kind of want to be there, so they're a little. <laughs> you know what I mean, like a little ready, uh, more able, more receptive to what you have to. You it depends. Yeah. It depends on the Because sometimes, if they like during the summer or the winter, we both don't want to be there, but we both kind of have to like just push through <laughs> what we're doing. Right. Right. <laughs> and then sometimes students, they still have like this. I think like, the, like 
they what's, what's like it's like an uncomfortable situation they have like more self-destructive tendencies and when you have to like fight past those i'm like okay understand this is hard and i'm always like what's your goal is it goal to like just pass the class and then all we gotta do is just get to that point we don't have to go strive for the stars all we gotta do is like, meet your goal right and you know i i i've i've had a really love-hate relationship with that attitude because me personally, I'm a person that loves learning. So it's hard for me sometimes to like not think that other people are like that. Um, but at the same time, too, whether you want to call it our system or our society, whatever you want to call it, all this confluence of ideas and issues come together. And basically, it's kids just want to pass. Yeah. And, and, and that's not that's not the best goal to have in school but it's i mean you can't hate for it especially if it's the requirement because um i'm struggling with that right now with some of my kids being their their tutor and trying to help them write their papers i mean i've got some kids in there they are just knocking them out like some girls there i have they're just knocking it out you know this one boy is like on top of it but then there's a, a lot of other kids that that are just um basically one boy cut and paste his outline as his final draft. I'm like, Ugh! and he's like convinced that that's it. Like he's convinced he's just turning it in because he doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, and, you know, so I'm trying to express to him that copy and pasting your, your, your outline um, is not a paper. And, you know, of course he's like, that's all I'm going to do, you know? And so despite being at Catholic school, this kid is like ready to drop out. He says, I'm going to drop out. I'm going to get my GD and then I'm going to start working with my dad in lawns, landscaping or whatever, or whatever lawn care, you know, and barring what conversations he's already had with his dad aside, like, I'm like, that's probably not a good idea, but, you know, and, but, but he's so like convinced. And I think a lot of it is the pressure to get this, to get this done. Yeah. So he was given a paper, by the way, he's, you know, he's another kid who's like, and again, just because it's Catholic school doesn't mean that same kids have same issues. I think he's like 16, 17. He's like in a broken home and his parents are just, you know, um, barely, able to pay for his tuition and he's going there and he doesn't want to be there and you know i don't a lot of other issues going on he, he you know shockingly he doesn't have like the best academic skills either so he basically he's tired of being in school he's tired of this class and he's tired of me and he's just going to put this together because he doesn't want to do any more research he doesn't want to write he doesn't want to do any more research he just wants to put his outline and just be done with it and 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 yeah like he might get like a good grade on his outline but he's not going to get it on the a good grade on the paper so trying to get him to that place yeah 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 so what uh what what school did you uh College did you tutor for? Uh, Baruch College. Brill? Baruch. Baruch. Oh, Baruch. Yeah, it's in oh. a CUNY system. Like it's in the city. It's a okay. Baruch. New York has a CUNY system, which is a city system, and a yeah. city system, and a state system. So. Okay, so I mean, CUNY system. and then SUNY. Yeah. Okay, got so it. I went to the city system. It was cheaper. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's cool. What 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 uh, subjects did you tutor most? Uh, mainly math. Sometimes it put me like on um, public affairs or like psychology, anything 
And then okay. they done a bit of math and science than writing in history. Okay. Cool, man. Hey, somebody's got to teach math and it ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> so now I guess we can all transition to wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my origin story there is kind of <laughs> funny too. So, um, I don't like have a specific memory of wrestling, but you know, growing up Italian, as you may know, so uh, be you know, be aware from friends or whatever in New York. Uh, you know, you go over, and on Sundays you go over to uh, Grandma's house for pasta. So that was our tradition. Like after church, about ten o'clock or so, then we go right over to Grandma's house to have pasta. And, uh, you know, from from having on Sundays, having donuts for breakfast and pasta for lunch, wonder why I'm 400 pounds. But uh, uh, we went over there and, and my grandma would just have it on. And in the in the background, uh, wrestling superstars, which was on USA uh, before the WWE was the WWE it was the WWF and in the 80s. And it would just be. Uh, it wouldn't be anything like it was now. It would just be like B-roll of matches that they wanted you to see. So they just basically, it's a half hour show or no, an hour show. And uh, it was before, because grandma would have that on right before uh, the Cleveland Browns on. Uh, so we do that. And then at one o'clock, she'd switch over to football. Um, so of course we come over and it'd be on and my mom would be livid. Mom, why is that crap on? Stop watching this crap in front of the kids. And my grandma would say, I like it. It's staying on. So, you know, my sister could kind of care less about it, but I was like glued. I was just like shoveling in pasta and watching like Roddy Piper versus Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I was just watching the deep mid, uh, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, put somebody to sleep, you know? So I was hooked on like 80s WWE wrestling. And then from there, um, which was kind of like the, the bad part of my mom starting to get real sick was that we'd spend a lot of time spending the night over at my uh, grandma's house at night, grandma and grandpa's house. And then Saturday nights, you know, after they got back from church, because they would always go on Saturdays at, at, at four and then they'd come home. And then 6.05 was when uh, uh, when TBS and TNT, not, well, actually TNT wasn't a thing yet, but T, TBS, um, they would have uh, Jim Crockett's promotion on at 6.05 from Atlanta, uh, where you'd see uh, you know Ric Flair, my favorite wrestler of all time, uh, where you'd see the rest of the four horsemen, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson. Uh, you would see Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, Magnum TA. All those guys would be on that one in, at night. So I'd watch that one with Grandpa and Grandpa at night and then get up in the morning and then watch the WWE at, on Sundays if I was ever staying the night. So, I mean... I kind of got hooked with wrestling from there. And uh, despite my mom hating me watching it, I always followed through, always followed through with it. Um, went to, you know, went to college. And that was the time 
Uh, it was perfect timing because when I was there, starting 93, 94 was when um, the, uh, the whole Monday night wars were really starting to get ramped up. And I remember we had to, in our dorm room, we had to like fight between the, 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 the men and the women because it was a co-ed dorm room. So every other Monday, it would be uh, either Monday Night Raw or football. <laughs> and then every uh, other week, it would be, you know, what I don't know, what friends or not friends, but like Beverly Hills 90210 or whatever was on Fox at the time. And you'd have to like flip back and forth between the, uh, the, 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 the men and the women living in the co-ed dorm. Um, we used to have Raw parties all the time watching it uh you know i got to know a couple of people um from from watching it in a community in, you know in the community area in the common area um good time so that was like peak like hulk hogan turning uh heel going nwo versus steve austin the uh, anti-hero and that was like pretty much the golden age of pro wrestling um, follow that all the way through. Um, started going to see Ring of Honor after ECW kind of split in half between uh, CZW and Ring of Honor. I kind of went with Ring of Honor. It wasn't really all that interested in CZW, um, or if you're familiar. Um, Combat Zone Wrestling uh, and uh, Ring of Honor ROH. Uh, so kind of followed some of those guys. And when, uh, ring of honor would come into my neighborhood, like Chicago, we would always go to Chicago shows. Um, they, when they went to Cleveland, I went a couple of times. Uh, so yeah, I kind of paid attention to them, but at the same time was watching. So it was like all throughout this time up to now is, you know, I've always been a huge fan of pro wrestling. Uh, when I went to the media school in 2017, the Ohio media school. And I was uh, just kind of floundering around like in between jobs. I was recently let go by Columbus unfairly uh, and uh, I'm looking for a te another teaching job. I took some of my retirement and went to the Ohio media school to uh, kind of work on how to, you know, in case teaching doesn't work out and I have to get a you know, job right working at a radio station or anything, which that's not a bad thing, but I guess I might as well pursue my other thing I wanted to do if I wasn't going to be able to work on, you know, be a teacher anymore. And uh, that's how I learned podcasting, got hooked up with a guy who I who originally owned my podcast, uh, but he really wasn't, when he was about to graduate, he really wasn't feeling it anymore. And I decided, you know, I drew up a basic contract and uh, I uh, had both of us sign it. And I went to got it notarized um, and I basically bought, the rights to um, his web, his Facebook page and all of his social media, um, all the logos and all that for like a hundred bucks. And uh, I've been doing the heel and face podcast for about two years now. So. Nice. Yeah. That's kind of where that's gone. Yeah. I remember wrestling early 2000s, 2010s. I remember it was like heavy into wrestling. Yeah. So you were like the ruthless aggression era, like John Cena, Edge. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so who's your favorite wrestlers from that era? Uh, it was definitely like younger John Cena, Triple H. Uh, definitely into the Hardy Boys, Jeff Hardy. Oh yeah, yeah, good stuff. Like um, the uh, TLC matches. <laughs> 
yeah. the tables, ladders, and chairs, chairs between them, the Dudley Boys, and and Edge and Christian. Some mm-hmm. some of the greatest matches of you know recent recent history. And Stone Cold definitely, he was definitely oh, yeah. a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yep. Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah, Mark Henry definitely Undertaker's undoubtedly the legend. Oh yeah, he's the only person Vince would listen to besides family. Right, <laughs> right. He <laughs> considers himself a he considers a brother, a friend, a son. You know, that's it's. I made a joke with my <laughs> friend. I said the the one person because I don't know if you caught much of uh, WrestleMania's Hall of Fame or anything like that this last like two weeks ago or whatever. But um, you know, Vince personally inducted uh, the Undertaker in the Hall of Fame, and 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 you know, started crying. And I joked with my friend. I said, you know, the only person, probably other than himself, that Vince McMahon truly loves in the world is Mark Calloway, the Undertaker. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like they've been through a lot, and it it means a lot when um. Uh, and I don't know if you saw the, or if you're a fan of Pat McAfee, but the Pat McAfee show and Vince McMahon said he was the only wrestler that I didn't have any doubts about whether or not he would jump to WCW. And, and, and he was still, he, and Vince was still, uh, doubting whether or not Shawn Michaels, even after he gave Michaels the belt in 97 with the famous Montreal screw job still thought that Shawn Michaels would be one to jump to WCW and go into the NWO with his friends, but he never had doubt that, that the undertaker would never leave. And undertaker confirmed it. He said, I got one phone call once I told him, no, thank you. And hung it back up again. So like, that is just crazy. That's just amazing loyalty and friendship in a business. That's not oil. And in uh, with 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 one guy, not not the Undertaker, who's not been known to be the most scrupulous of businessmen over the past forty years or so. So that's pretty incredible when you think about it. Yeah, definitely. And now he can finally start being himself. He doesn't have to be the Undertaker in public. Right. It's it's so <laughs> weird. And he felt he talked about how weird he felt too about it. But it's so weird, like being so even. Even when um, everybody knew that wrestling was predictable, predicted and scripted and all that, he still would not go out in public as Mark. He'd go out as The Undertaker. And then when he finally decided to retire and give it up, now he's like the opposite. Now he's like, blah, 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 blah. I did this and my name is Mark and I did this and I did that as The Undertaker, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of really weird to see that, but it's hilarious at the time. But I'm glad now that he's finally able to like enjoy all that hard work and sacrifice that he had to go through in order to become literally one of the best, uh, most popular, most successful wrestlers of all time. So definitely. I was like, I actually thought he was, but I was like, he's undead. Like, I believe like, even though I do the story, like I knew wrestling was fake. I still believe the story, like him and Kane are brothers. And I was like, they're not like, what? (laughs) Yeah, they, 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 I I was listening to the Bruce Pritchard, one of the guys who kind of invented the story of the Undertaker along with Vincent, and, and they're right. I mean, you can hate on it all you want. Oh, it's hokey and it's it's pro wrestling, but it's probably one of the best 
like actual stories, most consistent, most like the like it, it was never bad. Like the Undertaker never really had a a bad eye rolling storyline. It, it came close with uh, the Undertaker when they got prime time Brian Lee to be the fake Undertaker. That guy that was close, but it wasn't. It's it still you. Everybody knew who the real Undertaker was. Um, I don't think he's ever had a bad. Yeah, I don't think the Undertaker's ever had a bad gimmick or a bad. And when his character progressed, like when it matured and developed into something else, I mean, everything he did was like, yeah, I could see that. Like when he became, you know, uh, uh, the big evil or the big red, you know what I mean? Um, you know, you could go, okay, I could see the Undertaker being a biker. Makes sense to me. You know, so he's very fortunate that his characters never really had a huge hiccup. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And then I have a friend who's in um wrestling, like a small like um circuit, and I'm just like living it. He continued with the dream behind um, middle school. Oh, cool. Um uh what's his name? Friend Marcos. I've got I forgot what um program he works with, but I had to yeah. Cool. Well, if he ever wants to come <laughs> on my podcast and talk wrestling or get himself promoted or, or whatever, uh, he's more than welcome to. You know, I like doing that. That's that's part of the fun of podcasting too. And I don't get to do it that often because my show is really not built around that. But I always try to support independent wrestlers because I know how hard it is. And um, every once in a while, like I'll still go to independent um, shows. There's a couple of really good ones coming up in Ohio that I'm that I'm going to try to go to, um, especially in Columbus. So it's really close to me. But yeah, I like talking about independent guys as much as uh, the uh, the big name guys. Um, you said your friend's name is Marcos. Yeah, it's not Guerrero, is it? No. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> all right. Because I was a guy from like from from New York, I think that I follow kind of um that uh that's that's from the new york area who's uh a indie pro wrestler too so um but yeah like I, I i i look at it like this you know how baseball has a farm system right hockey has a farm system they're trying to make the g league and the nba like a farm system and now they're even considering in the nfl having some type of like super combine where you would just go like to a training camp or whatever, you know what I mean? Like a mega training camp. And then you could pick from those players. So the NFL has got some ideas. So all these sports leagues are doing farm style systems. Um, and I kind of think like the independent wrestling scene is kind of like the farm system for, uh, for, for the major promotions for like WWE and AEW and, not Ring of Honor anymore because they got bought by Tony Khan, but I, that's the way I see it. And I've seen a couple of guys, like I've seen plenty of guys. Um, I saw uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson in Dayton way before he got in the WWE and now he's in AEW. Um, I saw Samoa Joe before most anybody else knew who he was. I saw Kyle O'Reilly. I saw um, Adam Page, Adam Cole. I saw a lot of these guys who were in WWE, Kevin Steen. Um, I saw a lot of these guys 
about 15, 20 years ago in Dayton, in Columbus, in Indiana, in Chicago, in Cleveland, um, before they made the big time. And I looked and I said, that guy, you know, he looks like a star and I'm going to follow him. Or this guy's going to be huge. Or this girl, she's going places. The one wrestler, I, and I love talking about this one, the one wrestler that I saw and I went, eh, not that great, was a scrawny, skinny kid with jet black hair. Uh, his name was Tyler Black. And uh, he ended up going down and getting a tryout for a WWE. And he ended up becoming Seth Rollins. So <laughs> out of all those guys, that I, the, the one guy I was like, eh, he might not make it. He might not make it in anything. And he becomes Seth Rollins. So, <laughs> but that's the fun part of it, right? I mean, think about like, um, are you like a Yankees fan or, or a, football, a sports fan? Any, anything like that? Mets fan, anything like that? Definitely number one, basketball. And then other sports, I kind of just keep up with the news. Yeah. So, so you know that the NBA is trying to do the G League, right? Yeah. And all that. All right. So, okay. Imagine you got a, you know, there's a guy that, you know, you're kind of keeping your eye on in college or whatever, or he's really doing big things in the G League. So you go to catch a couple of games, you know, like G League games. And then all of a sudden he gets that, that 10 day call up to the Nets. And you're like, I remember that dude. Right. Like, I remember that guy, like he was balling or whatever. Like this one guy, I don't know. He's all over TikTok now. He's the point guard on OKC. And all he does is hook shots. <laughs> like all he does, I don't know if you've seen him. All he does is like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar skyhook. And he got a 10 day and, and he's like the most popular player. Now everybody is telling the, uh, the, the, the thunder, like sign him long-term. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you look at the guy and you're like, Oh my gosh, I was watching that guy when he was in the G League and now he's on you know the roster. That's kind of the way I look at pro wrestling, right? You know, if you have fans who are friends who are baseball fans, it's the same thing. It's like watching, you know, the Yankees. So I always saw them, uh, you know, we, uh, this guy who's really tearing the cover off the ball in Buffalo or something like that. And now he's, you know, going to get a start at right and center. And, you know, like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, I'm, uh, I know that guy. I saw that guy. I hope he, you know, that's because that's the fun of it too, is that following your favorite. And then when they get there to where you thought they would be, that's like the best part. That's like kind of satisfying, you know? So that's kind of how I see as pro wrestlers. And there's a, there's a few out there actually on the East coast that are, are moving and, and getting a lot of play. Like the one guy in particular, his name is PB smooth. He keeps a player. <laughs> his his he uh, he's six nine, about three twenty or so, and just this giant dude. Um, he's from the area. I, he's I think he said he was originally from like either Boston or or uh, New York. I can't remember which, but he went to uh, school in Pennsylvania, and like now he's been on AEW. He's been getting different matches. He's been champion in different indies. So it's a lot of fun watching this dude. Um, he's going to be a star, a big star in a couple of years. And it's going to be fun seeing where he goes and gets signed to permanently next. So that's kind of the, the satisfaction of it's the most fun part, I think. Yeah, definitely. And now with the podcast, how's that going? So the podcast is going pretty well. So I don't have any pretense about it. Right. 
it's a it's a hobby. It's something that I like to do. Um, I'm still working on the quote unquote nine to five gimmick, right? Like my ultimate goal is still to become a full time English teacher in a classroom, you know, and all that and all that entails. And that's what seven to three, right? That's my job, right? Um, and I don't do like I do, you know, I read and I walk the dog who's right now yelling at somebody um i i i do some different things but like i don't have too many hobbies or vices and the one thing i do in my spare time is watch wrestling and talk about it so you know am i looking to like have this thing blow up to like uh i don't know pat mcafee or chris jericho or steve austin podcast levels no there's a lot of people around you know who are doing wrestling podcasts um i do it just because again it's fun like i do post the audio on uh on anchor which posted out to like six other places um i've made a total of 19 dollars um it's not bad it's modest um i have 1100 followers on uh on facebook so again you know not not going through the roof but it's it's a nice following enough and i do other social media too so i'm on twitter uh you know got about 500 followers there um i'm uh trying to go to like locals and mines and a lot of the other uh social media platforms as well just to check it out there um those are really slow going but again, you know, uh, am, am I trying to retire and just do podcasts for the rest of my life? No, but it would be nice <laughs> if I did. I did apply to a couple of different networks um, to try to move the podcast there, but it just didn't work out. Um, and again, it's like I'm not fully given up on becoming a full time teacher yet. So I don't want to just say. You know, I want it to be definitive. I want to cut it off. I'm like, okay, if I'm really going to try to make money off this podcast, then I have to, you know, say this is going to be my 24-7 job, right? And it, and and I don't want it to be like that either. I would be nice. If I could get paid a lot of money to talk wrestling and sports and people will pay and people will respond and people will subscribe and all that. And I can get more listeners and more viewers and all that stuff. Then God bless. That's the, that'd be great. Um, I am nowhere near that right now. So I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay to just have it be a hobby, right? I'm okay for it just to be something to do where I can just talk to like chill people like you every once in a while, you know, about it and just kind of like, Hey, just, just blow off some steam. It's, it's, it's a lot like talking to friends about, about you know wrestling and stuff so i'm not trying to like reach for the stars i'm not trying to be gimmicky but if something happens and people like it and pick me up and 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 start really paying me money to do it i'm not going to turn that down either if that makes any kind of sense definitely how about you how about how about your podcast so um like i said different episodes this um i started to get a job yeah in media okay. the first was animation but then i switched it to like a more general podcast and now media and then okay. I, did, I achieved i got a job and then now right now i'm trying to re- redefine what i want from the podcast okay cool um and so like you would take this and you know just use this as the content and then you'll upload it to whoever yeah. is 
Oh, nice, nice. Wait, wait, explain it fully because I'm not sure if I understood what you said. I said nice. I said no, so. Okay. Yeah. So are are you? So this is your own self-published podcast, yeah. or you're working with? Okay. All right. Cool. Um. What? <laughs> let's talk podcast then. What are your numbers like? Just out of curiosity. Uh, they're usually on average. It is right now. It's still low. It is so far. I have a total of two thousand six hundred twenty-five from just like audio alone. Okay. Average of twenty-five downloads per episode. Okay. And then YouTube is a different animal. Yeah. So we're trying to figure that out. Uh, I I've shied away personally from wrestling podcasts on youtube because there's a ton of there too that's where it first got started mm-hmm. and um the 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 market's kind of saturated as far as pro wrestling podcasts um on youtube but if i ever get into it enough i might go open up my restream account again and then i'm just gonna like not just do youtube but be pro- i'll just broadcast like on all the different platforms at the same time so whereas uh right now yeah just youtube um i what i do is i used to do vimeo but they were being you know they have a limit on free content that you can post for like you know as far as uh like how many uh megabytes and stuff so uh i'm i mostly post my videos to rumble now and if so i go live on facebook and then I save the audio, the video and put it on Rumble. And now Anchor, you're supposed to be able to put a video up too. But I don't know. I I might um I might look into that further. Yeah. I don't know how that would happen. But because they have yeah. a partnership with Spotify, because Spotify is also adding video podcasting. Oh, okay. Well, then I might check that out then. Yeah. So. And uh, so what? So do you work with? Anchor slash Spotify too, as far as the audio goes. Uh, I use Red Circle. It's pretty much the same thing, a different alternative. Okay. And then, same much same setup. Just um upload and then I put it everywhere. Then I make sure I went to other directories and make sure it was there. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. And I was just, and it's a very expensive hobby, and so I started <laughs> making money. <laughs> but hey, yeah, that's what happens. You know, you gotta you gotta spend the money a little bit to make money, and uh, seems like you could be you're going in the right direction. It seems like so. Good luck with it, man. Yeah, I guess. Now, I just need to redefine how. So I'm gonna start adding like Twitch and like gaming and stuff as like a like a, the on my side to like the channel. And yeah, just, like, other stuff for me to like do because it takes take breaks in between seasons, so. Need something, yeah. I need to read up on. I did, I got a Twitch account a long time ago, but that was just to like watch. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna laugh. It's just to watch like Mexican wrestling, <laughs> but uh, but I haven't been on. I, I probably haven't accessed my, I probably deactivated my account since then, probably been about two or three years. So they've been, but I've but I've been curious and I've been joking with my son about putting together our own like Twitch channel. And you know, naming it Steve Sucks at Video Games. <laughs> and basically it would be me sucking at video games. People just watch. And if they want to like 
give me credits for encouragement. They can like uh, like it or put stars or whatever uh, Twitch does and give me pay me to like encourage me like, hey, do this or hey, do that. You know, so I won't suck at it anymore. Um, but yeah, other than that, like uh, uh, haven't done too much with with Twitch, but I know a lot of people are going to Twitch and Discord for their podcasts too. So um, something to think about, definitely. What's the future holds? I don't know. But I know something's going to happen. Hey, you just keep grinding at it. Something will happen. You know, you're young enough yet. You got a, a lot of cool things going on with the podcast. You know, listening to a couple of episodes and stuff. I think you got something here. And just keep grinding. And, you know, you're you're way younger than me. You look <laughs> about 20 years young or so younger than me. I mean, by the time you get to be my age, you could probably have like four different podcasts and you could be really, you know, making something of it. And, and yeah, so uh, my advice is just keep going forward, man. Keep learning. Keep going forward with it. Uh, network as much as you can with people. Um, you know, I know you said you did some stuff with media. Try to go back to those contacts. Try to have some. No, I, still, I have a job in there. Like I work in radio podcast. I work in radio advertising. That's oh, okay. Job. Oh, so oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. So where do you <laughs> where do you work in radio? Like what what station? I work at Google. So I work in the media, like the buying side of radio of um radio advertising. So ah, sales. That's the one thing. It's not, it's not like the sales, like um. The, I work under the buyer, so the buyer um, talks to the client and then puts them onto the different stations. Different, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, anybody so, on the other side giving advice to you or heard your podcast or talk? Did you have you pitched any ideas to somebody on the radio side? No, I haven't. Really, um, some people do know, like, so, like I have one, they um, see it on LinkedIn. Yeah. So, like, I haven't lately done much of that yet. They're still trying to, like, um, Decide if I wanted to continue it or how I want to continue it. Okay. Yeah, because when I was at the media school, they were pushing everybody hard to be in sales first. And I'm like, you do realize. So, one, I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> Two, like, I don't know if you realize that most of the kids that come here don't want to be like most of, the, most of the people that went there, you know, fresh out of high school, they just wanted to air, basically, they just wanted airtime to like cut their terrible SoundCloud uh, <laughs> <laughs> songs, right? They just wanted to put beats down. And uh, one one day I was there and they had to kick like, it was on a Saturday and they had to kick like 10 people out. They almost called the police. And I think they may have like, like uh, taken tuition away from two students. They like kicked them out, like expelled them from the school because when it came in, like the studio, there was like 10 empty vodka bottles in the studio <laughs> and it smelled like weed and it was like oh no this is a school what are you doing so i think what it is is um i think what it was what they found out was people were just taking the uh the the tuition or whatever and they were just buying like as much studio time as they wanted as they could get away with being a student at the school <laughs> and then they uh they just took whatever money was left over and just didn't pay. Like they just basically defaulted on the loan, stopped coming to school and pocketed the money. And when they found that out, they just started like booting people out of the program. But, uh, but yeah, they, they were always pushed us like to be in sales, I guess. Cause that's the entry level position of any like radio and television station. Yeah. 
I'm guessing. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. You don't, you know, somebody's got to make the advertisements, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to make the commercial breaks. But um, it just wasn't my, like, that's not my my jam. Like, if I was going to get into radio or television, it would be production and then eventually getting on and being the personality. So, I mean, you should definitely just keep grinding, just just perfect this, and then just keep bringing it uh, to whomever on the other side and just say, hey, I've been doing this for a minute. You know, I've been cutting podcasts for a minute. You know, if that's something that you'd be interested in, like, just keep keep doing what you do and see how it goes. Yeah. It's like four or six. I think we can end it there. Yeah. So last question is, what would you name your origin story? Ooh, what would I name my origin story? I would, uh, I, mm, wow, that's a tough one. Um so there is a line from Hamlet where he says, I'm a man taken all from all. So probably something like uh, taken all in all, which is, uh, you know, which is kind of like my life story. Like I'm here, you know, uh, take me for what I am and what I have and what I've been through. And that's basically me. So probably name it taken all in all. Nice. Yeah. And where can everybody find you, your podcast, and anything like that? Oh, great. So um, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Getter, Parlor, Locals, and Minds. And you can find me at Heel and Face Pod, H E E L and F A C E Pod. So Heel and Face Pod on all of uh, wherever you want to go as far as social media. And I'm also on uh, Spotify and all the other places that Anchor distributes to at uh, Heal and Face Pod. So I just try to keep it simple. If you look for Heal and Face Podcast or Heal and Face and you see a logo that has an angel wing and a devil wing with an H and an F, uh, then, uh, then you'll, that's where you can find me. Nice. And I'd like to thank you again for joining the podcast. Hey, thanks. This is my, it was my pleasure. Um, this is a lot of fun. And again, just keep grinding and just doing what you're doing. And I think you're in the right direction. It was really nice meeting you, Ezekiel. Thanks. That brings another episode of the Let's Gather podcast to a close. Again, you can find more information about the Heal and Face podcast by clicking the link in the description below. For next week, I have Adriana Gavazzoni to speak about being an attorney and an author. Hope you enjoyed this day and I hope to see you there.